Welcome back to Cold Pizza. Uh, I am joined today by Pastor Matt. Hello. And a special surprise today, Pastor Jeff. Hey guys, what's up? Excited to have you guys both on today. Uh, yesterday we continued into Hebrews. We're in chapter two already, uh, which was a little weird because it seems like it's going fast, but we have a long way to go at the same time. Yesterday we talked about the idea of truth having gone out of style with a, uh, a pretty big opening monologue. It was your pastor villain monologue at the front end, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little doomsday. But that yeah. is the case that we find ourselves in in most of the world, especially in the different areas in which we engage in our jobs and school and such. Uh, and I think overall the picture that you kept giving of drifting was – it's just – it's. It's the most helpful picture. I mean, when we talked about it in our home groups this past week, we had kind of the picture of driving and people not realizing that their life is constantly on the rumble strip. Yeah. Like, mm. wake up. Like, you realize where you're at. How easy it is to just kind of come off of the left tire mark into the middle and then into the right tire mark, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're in the rumble strips. Mm -hmm. I, I just – I I hadn't – it was everything I had to try and – it was everything I had to try and uh, paint that picture. Like yeah. it was, and I still don't feel like I did it remotely justice. Well, it's just people have to experience it. Like the big one for me is when we were uh, in Florida last year for sabbatical and we're in the water and we had some pretty stinking big waves. It was pretty cool for the kids, but all of a sudden you realize, you know, you've been out there for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. You're automatically sunburned at that point. But then you turn and you look and you're like, where's the umbrella? Where's the, yeah. where's the towels? And all of a yeah. sudden you're like, you know, a hundred yards down the beach thinking you were just in the same spot. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's that, that thinking you're in the same spotness <laughs> that should be the scariest part of that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I was just trying to think of what, why culturally that's just such a reality for us. I think it has to do with um, uh, American comfort. Mm -hmm. It has to do with, uh, a lack of of real uh, persecution or challenge mm -hmm. to our faith, and so it's just it's just really easy um, uh, to not realize what's at stake, to realize the danger uh, that you could be all all the way down the shore, and I think some of that's culturally too that we. Uh, at least in in the, my circles, the people that um, that I pastor, um, that we pastor, uh, spend most of their lives just responding. Mm -hmm. They're just reacting to life. They're not uh, out leading. They're not actively saying, "There's the umbrella, and I've got to head that direction." It's more like, "Ooh, wave, great." Yeah. <laughs> right. Ooh, seagull, great. Yep. Ooh, someone collecting seashells, great. Well, they're wasting I, their life, as oh, we know. They are wasting their life, yeah. <laughs> oh, I should go do the same. There we go. Oh, shoot. Where's the umbrella? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead I, of saying, like, hey, there's the umbrella, and I'm headed towards the umbrella. Maybe we can pick up some seashells while we're headed towards the umbrella. Right. Maybe we can enjoy the seagulls while I'm headed towards the umbrella. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could feel your earnestness yesterday, and I felt it too. And I, I text uh, Matt later, and I said I could, I could feel the um, – the heavy heart in which he was really presenting this. And I felt it too. Cause it's like, this is life and death. Mm -hmm. This is literally life and death. It is. I mean, he said, is that's what's at stake is not just, you know, a rough life. It's apostasy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think that, I think you're 
and you mentioned this in your sermon, that the American uh, ease culture in which we've grown up in, but the church has fed that. The mm-hmm. church has also been a very easy place for us to uh, just kind of waft in and out of mm-hmm. without any commitment whatsoever and teaching the membership class starting yesterday. And I always ask in the first class what people's experiences have been with um, covenant church membership. Yeah, Mostly nobody um, has ever heard of that uh, a lot of times. And if they have, it's kind of been some random just kind of keeping up with members. But it's pretty cool to hear the people's desire for accountability mm-hmm. for elders who know them for a congregation who knows them. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's just, we went to a giant church and didn't even know the pastors. Yeah. And so it was easy to come and go. So the church yeah. has just accommodated this easy believism. Yeah. Yeah. One of the <clears throat> challenges that I think we see in this is the fact that it's always on. It's mm-hmm. always a danger. You, you cannot, yeah, you're not in neutral. Your foot's always on the gas. There's a, a horror movie out there I haven't seen because I'm a baby. But um, <laughs> I, I found out about the concept of it, and then I watched a clip of it uh, on YouTube. It's called It Follows, and the, the premise is that there's this malevolent force that jumps from body to body. But it's in a person, and it just constantly follows you in that horror mm-hmm. movie walking away. And it's just taking the straightest path from A to B to you at all times. <laughs> Uh, and you're fine as long as you don't get near it, but you just have to keep moving and running away and running away and running away. It just pursues and pursues and pursues. Mm -hmm. And so it's that kind of constant pursuit that's happening against us. Mm -hmm. And the call for us is constant pursuit, right? Beware, watch out for this. Don't neglect this. Make sure that you're not drifting. So it's a constant attention can be tough. And, uh, but I think that that's one of the big points for me uh, in from yesterday's, uh, particularly as a husband and as a father, if we're supposed to be the wall for our family, if, as elders, if we're supposed to be the walls for the church, you know, this type of thing, it's tiring to always mm-hmm. have to be the one who's on. Mm-hmm. And it, it can, and you know that you're not nailing it in every spot, so that just kind of beats on you too. But then you realize, well, I don't have to be this alone. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have people who are driving with me. Mm-hmm. I have people who can, you know, say, hey, you're, you're, you're getting into the lane. Watch out for the rumble strips, that type of thing. Yeah. So that was a big takeaway for me that this isn't something that we have to do alone. That's the blessing of that covenant community. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, but often people don't see it as a, a genuine blessing. Um, they see it as a as a drudgery. As a drudgery know? because it's keeping them from what? And that's the lie that they believe. Yeah. yeah. It, it's keeping them, like you were talking about earlier, um, of thinking that there are other options yeah. better. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Instead, that the only other option is slavery. Mm-hmm. Yep. As Jeff brought up in communion, mm-hmm. the only other option is to go back to Egypt. But, but you think that it's a legitimately good option, and so anything that stands in the way, yep. anything, has got to be hushed. It's got to be squashed. It's got to be censored. And removed out of the way. Yeah. You don't re- again, don't recognize the danger. The danger is not just swerving from the truth, but it's swerving back to falsehood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too a ditch, too drowning. Like, yeah, yeah. No, we're good. And I yeah. think that that's one of the important things of the text is that it tells us, you know, not just beware of drifting, but that you would escape. What are we escaping from? What have we been delivered from? Mm-hmm. We've been delivered from that slavery, so we're not just. 
getting to go do whatever we want. We're going back to a, a master who hates us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the world and the culture, especially we live in now, is continually preaching at us, catechizing us every day that um, you can you can go where you want and the option is always better. And so some people can just get really comfortable riding on the rumble strip, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. People, people can be, people are always like, well, it's not until you hit rock bottom that you actually change. Well, some people are just bottom dwellers <laughs> and they get really comfortable down there at the bottom, um, making excuses for themselves. Uh, that's a, you get the language of first John of people who walk in the light. Mm -hmm. The church has to be people who are walking in the light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. let, let me add another layer to that because it's not, even just um, the other option we think is a legitimate option, but it's not actually legitimate. It's actually going back to slavery. Let me take that a step further from the quote that I read from Pink yesterday. Um, I was really happy that you quoted Pink. All right, Pink, he's one of my guys. <laughs> when I, a funny story. Super manly but, dude for a guy with the last name of Pink. <laughs> <laughs> funny. When I got down to my seat uh, after preaching, my son looks at me and says dad i got two things for you one he said who's pink <laughs> and then two he said doug wilson couldn't have done any better <laughs> future man right there i was i was proud that's for funny. many reasons in that moment i was very oh, proud that's good well then the son and i were on our way to pick up uh, some furniture after church and we were driving down the road, and we saw one of those like breast cancer awareness billboards with pink on it. <laughs> and Chapman says, Dad, so who's pink? <laughs> and, oh, I just saw the billboard. So I started, act, I started answering the question, well, there's this thing called breast cancer, and there's this <laughs> monthly awareness. And, and he's, just <laughs> he's just looking at me like, so I looked over at him, he's like, what? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I said, oh, you mean... The pink. Arthur. <laughs> Arthur yeah. Pink. Okay, got it. All right. Oh, uh, A.W. So boy named Sue. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. So to that, how shall we escape that? What are we escaping? And then and then pink. I'll just read this and we, we can let it sit or we can talk about it. But he says, what are the evils from which it saves us? So this, again, another layer more than just Egypt. But what does Egypt represent? Sure. Theologically. Mm-hmm. It ultimately represents the displeasure of God um, with all its fearful consequences in time and eternity. And who knows the power of God's anger? He says, we must measure the extent of infinite power. We must fathom the depths of infinite wisdom before we can resolve the fearful question, meaning the fearful question of who knows the power of his anger. So we have to think really uh, deeply about that, and even just to scratch the surface. And he says, we can only say, according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. The most frightful conception comes infinitely short of the more dreadful reality. Mm -hmm. That's what we shall escape. And he says, a depravity of nature ever increasing and miseries varied according to our varied capacity uh, capacities of suffering, limited in intensity only by our powers of endurance, which an almighty enemy can enlarge indefinitely, and protracted throughout the whole eternity of our being. These are the evils from which this salvation delivers. So let me break that down, what, what he's saying. 
saying a depravity of nature that's ever increasing and miseries varied only according to our varied capacities of suffering. So he's saying that evil of which God's going to make sure that we experience as his wrath is poured out on us is only limited by our ever increasing depravity and according to our capacities of suffering. So you and I can only suffer so much sure. just physically as finite beings. And so God's wrath experienced upon us is only limited by that. Uh, but then it says limited intensity, limited in intensity only by our powers of endurance again. But he says, which an almighty enemy can enlarge indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So he's saying God can actually enlarge your ability to suffer mm -hmm. for indefinitely, like for eternity. And well, the, the same is true for the flip side for us in heaven. He's enlarging our ability to enjoy the inheritance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. So that's what we shall escape. Yeah. 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 That's what Egypt represents. Mm -hmm. But it fails miserably. To it just it just scratches the surface. Yeah. But on the flip side, what are the blessings to which it races? A full, free, and everlasting remission of our sins. The enjoyment of the paternal, the fatherly favor of the infinitely powerful and wise and benevolent Jehovah. Mm -hmm. The transformation of our moral nature. A tranquil or like a peaceful conscience. Mm -hmm. A good hope down here and in due time, perfect purity and perfect happiness forever in the eternal enjoyment of God. Mm -hmm. And that is the—so how shall we escape— and this is how great a salvation. How great a salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make a Rob Bell joke, but he is the joke. <laughs> yeah. Amen. No, that's, that's, that's crazy good. That's good. Why don't they? Well, I guess some people write like that today. Yeah. Wow. Well, if that is a great salvation that we're supposed to look forward to, which I think is one of the big problems that uh, we talked about even in Sunday school for eschatology, that we're supposed to be looking forward to that hope. Like we should be looking forward to that enlarging understanding of the fatherly uh, love and approval. Um, let's talk about today. How do we fight for that truth today? So if, if we need to recognize its need, that's awesome. That's what we've talked about so far. Um, how do we fight for that truth today? Well, I think we've got to recognize where it takes a back seat. Mm-hmm. Like, where is it, to use the phrase I used on Sunday, where has it gone out of style? Where has, where has it taken a back seat to something else? Mm -hmm. um, I use the idea of, uh, of emotions. That seems to be a culturally appropriate statement for this moment. But, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago, it, it wasn't quite that. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was just a different set of falsehoods. Um, I mean, really the falsehood here is that emotions can be my ruling thing, but, um, but, uh, this subjectivism, mm -hmm. so recognizing where that, so I don't know, have you guys seen any other examples where you see truth has taken a backseat in a practical day to day life? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question the way you want me to, but the way that I frame it is in, in style of worship um so anytime that i hear that kind of equation that you just propose where it's taking the place of something mm -hmm. that's idolatry yeah right and so framing all of life and 
if we say you can hear this on Greg can read in his interview with me, <laughs> uh, we talk about how all of life is worship. This is what we mean. Like this is the practical outworkings of that. It's not that you're always singing. It's not that you're always um, playing an instrument. It's that you're always pursuing something. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we're just like sin and is causing us to always want to drift uh, in the same way that we're to pursue something, that's a life of worship. That's what it means to pursue truth all the time. And so watching for when things take the place of is the whole question of idolatry. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, I think real practically bare bones, uh, you can apply that when is truth taking a back seat to anything else. And I think the emotionalism is huge right now in our culture, especially And two in particular ways I've seen it is in the pulpit um, and in parenting. Okay. Those two things. Um, and I think that um, when, when we allow emotionalism and an emotionally driven um, liturgy and um, sermon and music every single Sunday with a steady diet of that for people um, who are already getting that uh, daily in the world. It's just, again, continuing to feed into um, the, the claws of the enemy mm-hmm. in this way. And so I think that's, that's where we, I think that's one of the um, frontline battles for us, as I know you guys agree, is that the pulpit has to be <laughs> blistering hot truth um, every single Sunday, without exception. It's like a hibachi up there. <laughs> yes. Um, to my flesh. Um, chop, yeah. chop, 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 well, chop, chop, chop. Yeah. I mean, because all, all you have to do is, you know, all you have to do, guys, is go online, you go on Instagram or whatever, and you see, I was just reading this week, a pastor who uh, had reposted uh, from somebody else about, the church experience that you have and this this kind of like the church is a hospital and just come limping in the doors and go limping out the doors and it'll, you know it'll all be okay it'll all going to be okay and i was kind of flipping through this this thread uh, and at the very end of this thread it says the mothering heart of god bears witness to your grief and to your joy um and so it's all this you know god's just kind of holding you to his bosom and uh, then saying go and Go and don't be afraid. And there's no equipping. There's no, there's no treating the Sunday morning Just like take Ephesians boot camp. Six out exactly, yeah, exactly. Take mm-hmm. that out. Yeah. So. So no more uh, Jesus is my boyfriend songs. No, nor Jesus is my BFF. Or Jesus is my girlfriend. No, I'm I'm good with it. I don't need those. <laughs> I don't like that at all. We've been saying that for a long time though. I mean, I remember saying that when I first planted years ago, and you see that trend. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not what's popular, you know, um, and that's not what sells right now. I think that we see people who are adrift, and if you see somebody who is who is on the rumble strip, and and there there's a spark, uh, they're they're waking up, right? Because that's what the rumble strip's for. Mm-hmm. It wakes you up, and and they come to you know their home group, they come to their DNA, they come to one of their pastors, and they're like, hey, I need some accountability on these things, whether it's something big or something small, then praise God. I think that that is a huge proof that the spirit of God is at work with you. But I also think that there are a lot of people that are just rumbling on the rumble strip because they're just not believers, mm-hmm. you know? And we see people in the church going adrift. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've been on, I've been saying this for a while. Like uh, we need to be highly aware that a lot of the people in our churches just aren't Christians. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it's just never been easier for us to, um, churches have accommodated that like never before. Absolutely. Cause yeah. they give mm-hmm. yeah. and they bring kids when they make us look successful. Yep. Exactly. Can you think of a, a, a real practical example in parenting where truth takes a backseat? Yeah, I think that, um, I, you, again, when, when you just take a little um, survey of the, the quote-unquote Christian world around us, we have these big emphasis of the soft parenting movement and so on and so forth. And I'm, you know, I'm not um, crapping on everything there. I'm just saying that. No, you should. Yeah, well, okay, I'll crap on it all there. Uh, my point is, is, is that we see these, um, we see these, exa- there's, an, so there's an example of, um, of a family I know, um, uh, friends in Cincinnati, and uh, little, they got a couple little girls, and they've decided not to tell their uh, kids no. They're not gonna use the word no, because <laughs> I was in a conversation <laughs> with them once, and I said no to one of the little kids, and they said, no, we don't use the word no. And I said, oh. What are they saying? <laughs> um, they they want to redirect that. Absolutely not. No, they want to redirect that. In a, in a, they want to feed positivity. And they want to um, <laughs> discipline through positive action versus negative. Um, and, oh, tell me more. And I said, um, oh, okay. Uh, so, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is a, is a great, um, <laughs> if you've ever watched the show Modern Family, I don't endorse it, but it's still pretty funny. Um, where the they're doing that with one of the little kids, oh, yeah. and Cam gets his hand stuck in the garbage disposal, but Claire knows the garbage disposal is broken, and the little girl starts going around and flipping on all the lights in the uh, kitchen, <laughs> and the whole time he's over there like, "Now, Lily, let's not, uh, you know, do this or that." He's trying positively to convince her to not keep switching them all on. That sounds amazing. And finally, she gets to the garbage disposal. Of course, it's not working, and flips it, and he screams, "No, no, no, no!" <laughs> Right. So we we buy into these things that um so so what are you going to do one day when when a boss looks at that person and says no, right? Um, <laughs> would you please positively reinforce me? Right, exactly. So well, but we buy that in. Would, I would prefer that. We oh, buy oh, in. But you but you won't. Uh, that means you must be abusive now. Right, exactly. If I have an abusive boss, I must yep. go find another place. Exactly. He told me no. Yeah. And, well, and but see what what it's packaged in though is these kind of things are packaged in self-worth. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. compassion um, and compassion and standing up for yourself. So a, a, a little girl needs to know how to stand up for herself, right? And what it's what it's riding on the back of is a plausible argument that no means no, and that you know men shouldn't take advantage advantage of women and so on and so forth. But then we we just throw out um, the truth and 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 just completely swallow absolute lunacy, right? Um, and I I mean every parent I've ever known that tries that method they end up saying no eventually to their kid because it just doesn't work right but you see where there's these plausible arguments right um and those kind of arguments come against spanking those kind of arguments mm-hmm. come against parenting boys as boys and girls as girls you know mm-hmm. and and we see that the the quote-unquote again christian uh culture is swallowing that stuff right now mm-hmm. and i think it's a result of the pulpit not being blistering hot with truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me, um, that is all good. Let me give an example that happened to me Sunday morning as I was prepping uh, to teach the parenting class. And 
and prepping to, to preach. One of my kids came out to me in my office and kind of stood there, kind of funny, like, like I was like, dude, why are you out here? <laughs> I just want to give you a hug. Okay, which, which for this child, that's, that's pretty normal. Well, then he kind of steps back, and he just kind of still stands there. I'm like, what you need, dude? <laughs> He's just stand. And he points to my, the closet in my office. I feel like that's how God responds to me sometimes when I walk in. The, what you need, dude? <laughs> and, and he points to my closet in my office, and he says, what's in there? And I'm like, well, I, I, you just you just asked you just asked me this literally like a week you ago. You don't need to say. I just really want to know who this who one of these who this kid is. So which one of your kids yeah, it is? He uh, he knows he knows what's in there. Like it's where the furnace is. Got a well, firearm. Well, it there. Well, there's no firearm in. Well, there there is just not a a black powder firearm in there. There's a there's just a, grenades. There's a bow in there that I've been planning to give to my my kids uh, once we move, and, and and have a place where I can let them safely shoot it, and not hit other people's houses. <clears throat> so, I said at that moment I realized, oh, buddy, the uh, the bow's in there, and you've looked in there, haven't you? No. Right. So at that moment, I realized, and and there was some wetness in his eyes. There was some some tears, um, not bawling, but there was, and and at that in that moment, like, truth has to reign in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my feelings in that moment was, well, man, he blew the surprise. Man, he he was snooping when he shouldn't have been. Like, I I feel like invaded and some of my privacy like like that's what's uh, is welling up inside me mm-hmm. and and if the truth had i mean like in my moment in that moment the truth was quickly going out of style for yeah. me mm-hmm. in that practical moment <clears throat> and on top of that i'm trying to prepare a, <laughs> a lesson on parenting <laughs> <laughs> don't mess up don't mess up don't mess up <laughs> don't mess up i need a good example today <laughs> I'm looking at my, uh, and I got to preach to you. So I'm like looking at my notes on the screen. And I'm going, uh, 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 all right. Uh, and by God's grace, what came out in that moment was, and I, and I told the parenting class, I didn't end up using this in the parenting class, but I said in that moment, like, I, ha- I, I realized that the truth is I never um, restricted him from getting inside that closet. Mm-hmm. That was never a rule. Mm-hmm. So he did not break a rule for which I could get angry at, mm-hmm. that I could get rightfully offended by. So that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could not hold him accountable to something that I had not made clear to him, um, that I had not said to him. So I, I could not reprimand him for that. Then the the truth is, is that for a couple weeks now, as I explored how long it had been since he looked, he was uh, walking with guilt. Mm-hmm. But what's he doing? The truth is he's walking with guilt over an offense that he didn't actually commit. Mm-hmm. He didn't actually do anything wrong. He thought he did. He thought he had broken a rule. Um. And so he's walking around with with some guilt there. Now, the 
another aspect of truth is that what he did was unwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was unwise. And so I, I talked, I said, buddy, it's, it is wiser for you to not uh, journey into a place for which mm-hmm. you've not asked for permission. Yep. Um, or B, um, we've not invited you into. Yeah. Um, now, th- for our household, there's not much around the house that's off limits. Sure. I mean, my kids traverse between floors through the laundry chute, <laughs> and and we're generally okay with that. So who needs like stairs? Yeah. Who needs stairs? Like clue. <laughs> and and most of my kids can still fit. Um, they've you know we're tiny people, uh, so. You hear it. You heard it here. <laughs> From Matt's so, own mouth. So the, 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 there yeah, was there was a, not an offense. That's a hard one. And it was there was there's wisdom here, buddy. Yeah. Um, but then I was able to press into him. But if you would have talked to me sooner, mm-hmm. we could have. You didn't have to walk around with this measure of guilt that yeah. you've walked around with. Yeah. Well, man, that must have hit pretty hard because he connected something in my sermon. And as we were driving after the, he connected something that I like talking about the truth, and he said if, if I would have, because I was asking what what did you learn today, what was helpful, um, and he said well one of the things I realized if I had a, if I would have talked to you mm-hmm. earlier, and discovered the truth, then I wouldn't have had to walk for multiple weeks in guilt. Mm-hmm. And I said yeah, buddy. You talk to your mom and dad sooner, and even if there would have been guilt, there's forgiveness. Yeah. So uh, that's like, a, a, to me, an example of um, truth had to reign, but it was quickly going out of style. Yeah. In my yeah. in my own well, in heart directions. and mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he he would want to hide it too. Yeah, that, that's hard. Because when you say this, he didn't break a rule. I'm like, yeah, but there's there's an implied rule there. Foolish <laughs> child, you know. Uh, this is daddy's office. Right, like, yeah. Stay out of my stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's tough because that's what we're running into is um, reminding our kids of the first and second greatest commandment, and then having to help them see how wisdom applies mm-hmm. the second greatest commandment to everything. Like, mm-hmm. I I cannot tell you every time that you have to make sure that you save enough taco meat for the rest of your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to be considerate of others. You need to treat them the way you want to be treated. And that's not a rule not to take too much taco meat. But you will be in trouble if you take too much taco meat. Like mm-hmm. right. You need to understand these things. Hmm. Yeah, so. that's where we've been trying to, and we're kind of going on a tangent here, but I'm going to take us on to a tangent here, is trying to help my kids understand the difference between um, the heart of the law yeah. and the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because the law can be one half scoop with the black spoon of taco meat. That's mm-hmm. the law. The heart is care for others, yeah. mm-hmm. love your neighbor. Um, and thankfully, I've been doing that long enough now that my kids are starting to instruct each other. Mm-hmm. So my older kids are starting to say, hey, no, that's that's the law, but the heart of the law is a clean house that's orderly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you're loving your neighbor with. Yeah. Um, and that, and I tell you, just as encouragement to you, Russ, with us, the when you start to make the transition to the heart of the law, it takes a, a, a mind, a child's mind that's more developed. And I've tried to like set that for us in, in my, like set my expectations 
that that conversation is going to, it's going to take a thousand times yep. because I'm having to like shape a picture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's taking a hundred, maybe even a thousand strokes of practical examples to paint for them this picture of the heart of that law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So the heart of keeping a house clean means that we're not just going to walk past a piece of trash. The heart of keeping the house, loving our neighbors by keeping the house clean looks yeah. like not just leaving your dishes in the, in the sink. And it also looks like sweeping without being asked to. It also looks like putting your shoes up and it looks like all these little things yeah. and, each and I and I try to remind myself that each of those moments is one more paint stroke mm-hmm. on the canvas mm-hmm. if for their mind and what that looks like. Well, despite your best efforts on a tangent, you provided the perfect segue and that diligence, right? Because, like, if Jesus is saying this summarizes the whole law, it's not as if the whole law hasn't been written, right? Mm-hmm. It's been written, he's just breaking it down into two. So mm-hmm. Just because you know the summary doesn't mean you don't have to know the source material. Be diligent. Go know the whole thing. Yeah. Sure, have those sure. thousand opportunities, those other books of the scriptures that outline yeah. all this. Well, and, and you know, he says pay attention so that you don't drift away. Um, one of the things I, I didn't tie it here because I, I didn't think about it till honestly until just now. <clears throat> but that gets back to our theological maximalism. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you make sure you don't drift away? Well, you need a thick, robust theology across the board. You need to know how it all applies. And that's a lifelong journey, but it's something that that if you don't uh, protect the borders, then you're going to lose the house at the middle of the estate. That's good. That's good. One of the other examples that I had, um, I gave this one in the sermon, but just to tease it out a little bit more here was... Uh, that tone is more important than truth. Um, hear this in preaching, teaching, relationships. Facebook. Facebook. I don't have a Facebook. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, okay. Twitter. I have Twitter too. <laughs> I was going to say. I have five followers. I think they're all <laughs> Russian spies. <laughs> they, they are. <laughs> oh, man. I think people usually talk more about tone um, because if they have to address the matter of substance, um, it's usually something that they don't agree with or they don't want to agree with or they know they should agree with, but mm-hmm. they don't, and they don't want to actually address that. Right. Yep. So it's easier to attack the tone and say, and then just dismiss the argument or mm-hmm. dismiss the truth because it was said in a subjectively determined harsh tone. Yeah. Uh, you you judged it not by God's standards, but by your standards. Mm-hmm. Um, reading Mark. Wait, you mean that God that can has infinite wrath and that can expand your perception of that wrath infinitely? <laughs> that the one? very one. Yes, that very one. The very one. Let me let me read. Uh, I, I'm teaching a a short uh, devotional at my kid's school, um, and I don't. I don't know if they gave this passage to me on purpose, but um, <laughs> providence, <laughs> the luck of the draw. Uh, the Pharisees came and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat and went to the other side. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Wow, Jesus, that was not very gentle and lowly of you. Um, that was quite harsh. Yeah. Um, but then it gets, it gets better because this is what the, people are like, well, but that's what the religious leaders. Oh, hang on a second. The very next verse is he's in the boat with the disciples mm -hmm. and they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with <laughs> them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, <laughs> now what, I feel like a schizophrenic here because he says they had forgotten to bring bread, but then it says they only had one loaf of bread. Then Jesus says, Hey, there's this thing called leaven, you should beware. And then they continued discussing that they had no bread. But they have one bread. Anyway, one loaf of bread. Not enough bread. But apparently, yes. <laughs> And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? I mean, let me put that in common terms. Why are you stupid? <laughs> Why are you still so dumb? <laughs> Why are you still so dumb? <laughs> uh, but the, Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes, Are your hearts hardened? Hmm. Which is, he's pointing back to the Pharisees. That's the point yeah. of the leaven, is that yeah. the leaven had seeped in and their hearts had become hardened. So here he's saying, are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? He's quoting Psalm. I think it's like Psalm 114. We become like the idols that we have, uh, that we make with our hands, having eyes we cannot see, and ears we cannot hear, and mouths we cannot speak. And then he says, and do you not remember? <laughs> like, is your, does your memory suck? Mm -hmm. Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of broken pieces? So I, I just, that, that goes on, but Jesus's tone, um, like the question for tone comes down to what's the motive behind the tone? Yeah. What's the motive? Is it just being provocative for provocative sake? Is it just being sharp for sharp sake? Is it just being, um, I mean, because here's the reality, because you can be soft for the wrong motive, and it be still be wrong, but you would be baptized as as golden today. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, well, yeah. you were soft and generous. You were loving. Yeah, yeah, and it could be more dangerous. Well, I, I think one of the helpful components for like elders is the specific language of fits of rage. Yeah, that is distinct. Yes, we're, we're not to be harsh, and that's in another passage. But the idea of fits of rage is orders of magnitude different than a harsh tone. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not in a fit of rage here right yeah right this is yeah cutting to the quick this is a hibachi fiery pulpit and yeah, yeah exactly and the question is that i think you should ask it's it's funny when you sit under the preaching of god's word um especially if you're a member of a covenant community i i think i think it was uh ben johnson who said a long time ago like hey don't expect your pastor to preach to you as if he doesn't know you mm -hmm. right like so mm -hmm. we we know our people um, we're going to preach to the sin in the room. I, for one, am thankful for that. You know, I mean, I've preached to your guys' sin. I'm, I know you've preached to mine. Uh, I know, I you know you guys pretty well in your preaching. So I know when you're coming after my wife's sin or, and I'm thankful for that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> get her. Right. <laughs> Help me out. No. Um, so I, but, but I think you, we, I don't understand sometimes, um, when we come to hear the preaching of God's word. I don't know what else we expect. Dr. Phil. We do. I know. Yeah, exactly. Well, even he's a jack, you know. Right. But donkey. My, right. <laughs> like you. 
for not making me edit that. <laughs> Rusty's eyes just lit up. Oh, I don't want to edit that. In my script, it says half donkey a couple times. Right. That's all go. we need is an E next to our podcast. <laughs> That's true. That wouldn't be very helpful right now. Yeah, especially if like, the first time the I come on cold debacle. pizza. Oh, man. It just give all the haters more reason to hate. There you go. That's true. But my point, I know what people do expect. But if you truly understand the scripture, you truly understand covenant community, if you really are a Christian, what else do you expect when you hear the preaching of God's word than for your flesh to get very angry and and all of the um, flesh and the worldly mentality start raising itself up in the face of what the truth is mm-hmm. and, and the and the enemy using the same old lie he used in the beginning. What did God really say? And then I can just go around in circles for that. It just surprises me. Well, I don't know me, what so. he said, but he said it in a mean fashion. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, no, the, the spirit of God and the word of God comes and makes me very uncomfortable. And you should expect that. And you should, you should love that. I remember my wife saying one time, like, the presence of God is not always this wonderful, comfy feeling. Yeah. Right. And if you understand the Old Testament, you it's know that they understood that, right? And <laughs> and she right. says, and my wife said before, Brent said, um, and I don't want to lose that, right? Mm-hmm. And that especially that uncomfortable feeling because it's showing that my father cares for me, he's disciplining me, he's refining me, mm-hmm. becoming less like the old me. Yes. And it leads to actual freedom. Yes. Yeah. And on the tone thing, what people should examine is this. Is what the preacher has said, or what the author, or whatever, when you want into all the tone or how that was said, is what they have said true, mm-hmm. right? Is it true? Has have they, if they're a preacher, have they exposited the text? And if it's true, then is your problem really with them, or is your problem with the text? Mm-hmm. Is your problem with God, right? And of course, there's a place for us to be smart. And how we present things. Um, Generally, too, if you can't have a conversation with said preacher 30 minutes later. This is true. After it's over. Yeah. It probably wasn't the tone. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm just telling I mean, I you. Can, I can tell you when I'm, when I prepare to preach, my tone is intentionally chosen. Yeah. And it's chosen ahead of time. And I have cues for how I intend to communicate that tonally in my notes just with the way that i write things yeah so it's intentionally cho- now usually what happens for it's me all, it's all bold underlined <laughs> capitalized oh my notes are just like <laughs> little fireworks fire symbols <laughs> so cannonballs now practically just for the record out there when i write my sermon first on mondays and tuesdays i just let it all go like mm-hmm. meaning i write and I let whatever tone comes out of my heart. Mm-hmm. Like it just comes out. And then between Monday, Tuesday, and by the time I finish it up on Thursday, what happens is sometimes some of that tone I recognize is coming from a sinful heart. Mm-hmm. And so I will pull that back. Sometimes I recognize I'm softening something mm-hmm. from a sinful heart, and I'll actually turn up the volume yep. on that. Um, so I, I, I actually walk through the motives of the tone mm-hmm. of my preaching throughout the entire week. And I, I purposely let it come out on Monday and Tuesday mm-hmm. in a sort of a communing with God sense, like a yeah. David in yep. the Psalm sense, where I'm, I'm putting it out there and then saying, all right, Lord, adjust this. Mm-hmm. I need you to adjust the volume. Yeah. Um, so that I speak this at the right volume that's appropriate for the text and appropriate for these people. Yeah, I do the same thing. Mondays is just unfiltered typing. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, it's just very devotional for me. Yeah. I don't write my sermon till Saturday night. <laughs> what? Because you're really smart. I thought smart. you wrote it on Sunday morning. <laughs> 30 minutes before. Finish it on Sunday morning. He just reads the text and gets up and preaches. <laughs> yeah, this is true because he's very smart. I, I wrote this I, a comment, and i got to make sure we say it before we move on. But when men particularly complain about tone, what I really want to say is go take a shot of whiskey, and maybe it'll put some hair on your chest. Hmm. Like, what's the deal? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, we can move on. But there's, there should be a whole podcast dedicated to that statement. Um, I agree. That's what I'm trying to in like our, in our culture right now. Going off on another direction right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Future podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I appreciate your mysticism there and your uh, Monday through Thursday approach, uh, biblically. We have a rod and a staff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and people want us to only use the the staff, right? Mm-hmm. Let me. I'm going to pause you and go back to this man comment real quick. Sorry. Okay. Um, I did invite myself on this podcast so I could do this. <laughs> and mostly just came on here to make sound effects and There's zingers. plenty of pizza to go around. There's plenty of cold pizza, which <laughs> yes, sounds really good right now because Matt's not going to eat it. <laughs> I think I I think what we have to do is we just have to keep preaching, especially to men, um, and their sins on that point. That Matt made uh, when men want to complain about tone, as and, men, as men, exactly. That's that's what I'm trying to say. And, and I think we have to be consistent in that. And I think you know it is in a man's heart to be combative, um, and to be arrogant and prideful. But we have to continue to preach hard against that, the, and and pray that the Holy Spirit breaks down that arrogance and pride. Um, but I do think also what's in men is is a uh, innate, God given. Um, desire to be called up into responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. And so I, they feel that and they want to, but they want to fight against mm-hmm. that very thing. And they know it's true mm-hmm. deep down. That's why it makes you so angry. Right. Uh, because you see how far you've shirked your responsibilities and you just want to be a pansy and be a loser, um, even though you don't think you are. But I think we got to be just consistent and hammer away at that and know that in the end, that the truth is going to win out. Right. And that, um, and we pray that it will. And that uh, men need to be called up in that way. Yep. They, they they need that. They want that, even though they don't understand that they they want that and need that at times. Yeah, it, it, you don't realize that you want it until you actually accomplish that first thing. Yeah. Uh, and then you're like, oh wow, yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is new, and this is me. Like, yeah. You find identity not in what you've done, but mm-hmm. then being what you're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, on the tone, uh, I, we have a rod too, and I think it's something that part of why we, I think, the three of us push on this so much as preachers, is that whole authority and responsibility piece. Mm-hmm. If I have the responsibility to preach the text, then I have to have the authority to say it the way it needs to be said. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If if I don't, then I don't actually have that authority. Mm-hmm. Which so, means which means you cannot be held responsible. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so then why do we find then the church pandering to those things is because they have a flock of people who don't actually recognize them as an authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, man, if that's what it is, fine. Call it that. Right. <laughs> but that's not what we find. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, do we want to wrap up? Oh, no. I got one little more thing left. Go for the one more little thing. Okay. We'll probably turn into a big It's already long. (laughs) Yeah. This is a bonus episode. Um, Just do a part one, part two. That's what the pros do. (laughs) Listening to you talk about um, 
people distancing from the church and it being just that first telltale sign for us. And so, Jeff, how long did you say you've been doing this? I've been a pastor. I've been in vocational ministry for 20 years now. That's a good round number. Yeah, it's about that for me. Yeah. I started when I was I'm two 18. years behind you. So yeah. we've combined, what, 58 years of pastoring mm-hmm. at this table. And we've seen it from, from youth to mm-hmm. middle age to, to older folks mm-hmm. yeah. that th- this is the telltale sign. And the common response will be like, oh, well, it's just they're leaving your church or leaving you. <laughs> That's the issue. I'm like, no, you're, you're missing the picture. What we have seen is people distance from the church yep. and not move on to another one. No. They mm-hmm. move away, not just from the church, they move away from Jesus. Yeah, That's what we're really concerned about, despite what mm-hmm. most people would tell me I'm concerned about otherwise. Right. And usually how that happens, right? <laughs> and usually how that happens is, is they will, they will leave, you know, our church or another church that's solid. And then they will find a church that accommodates them because mm-hmm. they still need to ease that feeling, yep. you know, and they still need to you know, be a Christian in their mind. I, I think I also mentioned this in my communion devotion. My dad's been a pastor at the same church for 47 years. Mm. And I, I, without a fail, every time, somebody would um, begin to be in trouble. I remember him saying they're isolating their self from the community. Mm-hmm. And that was the first sign, mm-hmm. right? And it was, but it was simple stuff, usually sports, usually their kids' sports. Yeah, there's always an excuse. There's always a good excuse in their mind, you know, for these things. And that was always the first sign. And then it was a pretty fast, mm-hmm. really, actually really fast then slip. Well, exit ramps are pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Well, all you yeah. got to do is pull off a yeah. little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Just get there's no rumble strip there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the only thing I would add to that is, even in best case scenario, they're um, they leave and go to another good church. Mm-hmm. If what they're running from here is the truth, and the truth is going out of style, um then at best, they go to another good, solid church that's going to preach the truth, but the truth of who they are and the truth that they're actually running from is going to have some darkness put on it. It's going to be hidden for a while. It might be a year. It might be two years. It might be three years. And and what do you think is going to happen in that one, two, three years? It's not going to drift naturally towards the good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apart from an outside force working on that, you know, he, once we get to Hebrews three, do not neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the uh, uh, pr- uh, pr- uh, my goodness. What does it say? Uh, prodding each other, mm-hmm. lest mm-hmm. your heart will grow cold. Right? Mm-hmm. Like so that's what's going to happen. Now you don't have anyone, or you have fewer people that are willing to do that, or able to do that, or even know that they should. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you spend one, two, three, four, five years. And if the drift is naturally away from the truth, then you've just put yourself in in a way worse situation. I mean, best case scenario, best, best, best case scenario is, is I'm I'm struggling here and I I want to go to another church. Will you please communicate with my new pastors the struggles that you see in my life so that they don't have to come into this blind? Yeah, that's the best case scenario. But even still, that's like, I've got you two and Greg who know every room in my house. And then, okay, I, I move on to another place and I 
they have to start in the living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can say, hey, you know what? There's a problem downstairs in the basement. I just want you to be aware of that. Yeah. You still have to explore the whole house. Right. right? Yeah. So it takes time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only give you so many data points. Mm-hmm. I can only give that next pastor so many data points. Yep. He's got to he's got to interact with them, and that's so, that's going to take time. Well, that's one of the present uh, aspects of the great salvation, right? Is that we yeah. have a community that knows our house, mm-hmm. knows us, and so we need to be careful not to just abandon that. Um, well, that's um, when he says, "What are the blessings?" Back to the pink quote, and we can wrap it up here. Back to the pink quote. He says, and what are the blessings to which it raises, this great mm-hmm. salvation, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, the enjoyment, uh, or he says, a full, free, and everlasting remission of our sins, the enjoyment of the paternal favor of the infinitely powerful and wise and benevolent Jehovah. Mm-hmm. And then, he says, the transformation of our moral nature, a tranquil conscience, and a good hope down here. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's that's what we can drift away here. Mm-hmm. So... I know the grass always seems greener, but maybe the the grass is is dead right around you because you keep crapping on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and the crap's not good fertilizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, how about we wrap up with this instead? Um, no one came to you for the list of four things at the end, so why don't you repeat those for us? Let me find them. Uh, so the, the, the it was four reasons from Pink why we should pay great attention to what we have heard. The first one is this, because of the glory and majesty of the one by whom he has communicated his mind and will, Mm. the Son. Second, because the message of Christianity is final. Third, because of the infinite preciousness of the gospel. And fourth, because of the hopeless perdition and terrible tortures awaiting those who reject or let slip the testimony of God's wondrous grace. Mm. And if you are drifting, you don't believe those. Yeah. You don't believe that. And you don't believe yeah. that to be important. That's the reality. <laughs> and maybe even right now, they just, they don't, none of those set on you right. with a heaviness, like mm-hmm. a good heaviness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys. I want to encourage you all listening to uh, keep your eyes focused on the cross ahead. Don't drift. I want to encourage you guys to know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord overall. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. See you guys. See you guys.